It's the Save Democracy Podcast. I'm Steve Goldstein. Like a number of Western states, including Arizona and California, Oregon has a history of grassroots-introduced and supported ballot measures, and election reform advocates there are planning to continue that trend with a 2024 measure that would open Oregon's primaries to independent voters. To reach the November 2024 ballot, more than 160,000 ballot signatures would need to be collected, and if approved, the measure would be implemented for elections occurring after November of 2026. Michael Calcano, former legislative candidate himself in Oregon, is leading the effort as president of All Oregon Votes, and he is my guest on this edition of the Save Democracy podcast. We began our conversation with a brief explanation of Oregon's busy history with public-led reforms and what the measure All Oregon Votes is advocating for would do. Oregon currently, you're right to point out, has a long history of pro-democracy, pro-voter reforms, policies that put more power into the hands of regular, ordinary Oregonians. And that started off in 1902. We were the third state in the country, right, to uh, enact the the right of citizen initiative and referendum. Um, And so, and then in 1996, we were the first state to do vote by mail, right? Um, So we're building off of that legacy. And we think it's high time that all voters have the constitutionally protected voting right to participate in our democracy. And in 2023, uh, we think that it's a very important right to ensure and enshrine in our state constitution. So what it would do is it would create a common ballot primary where all of the candidates running for office appear on the same ballot and every voter across the state has the right to receive that ballot and can have a voice in our democracy. In a relative sense, how powerful are the the two major political parties in Oregon? Steve, it's an interesting question. What I feel very strongly is that the state political organizations are so important. I mean, they're on the ground, they're talking with people, they're building coalitions, right? And they're really trying to address the needs of people. I think that what we've seen across the country is this hijacking of the local issues by a national political narrative. And the national political narrative is like an elephant in the room, right? Um, It creates a very hard dynamic for good government consensus policymaking to occur. And so we feel very strongly that America is good when we have a lot of very active, very locally focused policymaking. And that's what we're trying to create in Oregon is a sense where all voters feel heard. Um, They feel like as a constituent, their elected officials care about them and care about the real concerns that they have in their everyday life in communities across the state. So the Democratic Party of Oregon and the Oregon Republican Party, they are organizations that do hold quite a a, a tremendous amount of power. Um, And, you know, it's because we've created a system of, you know, this two-party framework, this two-party parity. So even if the amount of independent voters were 90% and the Democrats had 5% and the Republicans had 5%. They would still hold 50%, 50% um, control of our legislature, right? Because we have this really antiquated two-party framework that we have to break free from. 
Has there been initially, or are you, you have expectations that people who are loyal party members who care about Oregon, but also have a, a history or tradition of being with one or the other political party are going to need a different kind of convincing on this? Mm. Yeah. You know, I think if I am a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, um, if I am a lifelong loyal Republican, um, your political party is uh, in need of some repair right now, right? I mean, I, I think that the reputation of both national political parties has never been worse. We see people leaving the two-party system at you know, uh, unprecedented rates currently. And so if you care about your party, and if you love your party, you should want your party to appeal to more people. You should be bringing people in to your party. And open primaries allows you to do that. It allows all of the candidates who represent your party to speak to all of the voters. And I think that it presents a real opportunity. It shouldn't be seen as something that is going to harm the parties because they're, they play such a hugely important role in our political system. And they organize, they uh, create platforms, and they move the needle. Political parties have certainly a role to play. And if you love your party, you should want to make it stronger. And I think that... Um, that open primaries allows you to do this. Just for one little quick data point here, right? You know, Portland is a pretty liberal place. We have a legislative district in Portland that has, no joke, 63% registered Democrats and 3% registered Republicans, <laughs> okay? There is a legislative district though, it's House District 46, and in every single election, a Republican is guaranteed a spot on that general election ballot, despite the fact that there are only 3% of voters who belong to the Republican Party in that House district, right? So we give the Republicans 50% of the platform to be featured as a general election candidate when they have just 3% voter registration in a given district. And that makes no sense. Does this feel like the right time, not just for Oregon, but other states to to gather momentum, to make these sorts of reforms? If so, what kind of impact could that have in terms of the direction we're seeing of a world that a lot of people would like to see post-partisanship, but what we're seeing is actually hyper-partisanship at this point? In Oregon today, we have 42% of our registered voters who are independent, right? So there has never been a bigger opportunity, a better time to present this question to voters, right? When we know that just 8% of Americans are electing 83% of Congress, right? Because of gerrymandered safe seats and because of low turnout primaries, just 8% of Americans, right? <laughs> can steer the elections that govern 83% of Congress, right? Um, and the approval rate for Congress has never been lower, right? Just 19% of Americans approve of the job Congress is doing. And so I think that there is a real hunger. I mean, we see it with the um, momentum behind the forward party. We see it with the exodus from the two-party system. We see it when people believe that our economy is rigged. People believe that elections are not fair. Um, and so we think that um, 2024 
November of 2024, you may have Trump and Biden at the top of the ticket. You may have Senate candidates and candidates for Congress that are trying to undermine the integrity of our elections. They may promote anti-government rhetoric. You know, we have some significant concerns facing our country. And it may be Pollyannish, but I believe that there are millions of Americans of good conscience that really want to try and do whatever they can in ways small and big to right the ship. How much of the message has to be, this problem is really serious and we need to do something as quickly as possible. And this measure may be the best way at this point to do it. So if you don't pass it, wow, I can't imagine what 2026 is going to be like. Or is that just so cynical and so scary for people, they'll turn it off? Steve, it's a good question. I mean, some somebody told me the other day, Michael, you know, you're standing at the edge of the Pacific Ocean and there's a tsunami coming your way. And, you know, you're holding your hand up and you have a bucket of water and, you know, you have a bucket in front of you, you know, it's like, it's too little too late is is what other people have told me right that uh that open primaries or even you know ranked choice voting these things don't go far enough right that all you know all is lost and i just i have a six-year-old daughter i have a two and a half year old daughter i can't adopt that mindset right i can't get there because i have to believe that the world that those two girls are going to grow up in will be a better place than it is today. And that's why we do this work. Um, you know, there's no, there's no guarantees in life. There's no certainties in the future. But what we do know is that a small group of committed people, right, to paraphrase a famous quote, can really achieve greatness and um, uh, with, with, with passion, determination, and vigor, I re- and, 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 um, the, the right plan in place, we really can move the needle on this stuff. Um, and so people want to get distracted by Twitter and cable news and whatever is going on with the royal family or Donald Trump or Kim Kardashian. But at the end of the day, I think that there are enough people in this country who want to focus on real solutions to real problems. It feels like we're stuck in a loop, right? It feels like we're stuck in a doom loop, and we have to break that cycle. Michael Calcano is president of All Oregon Votes. That's all for this edition of the Save Democracy podcast. To learn more about efforts to reform Arizona's election system, please go to the website, savedemocracyaz.com. That's savedemocracyaz.com. Music for today's podcast from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening.